We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi everyone, it's Adam here. Just to let you all know, we recorded this episode a couple of days ago due to our schedules. And that means we did talk about Elijah Bryant being cut from the books, but we didn't actually get to talk about him then signing a contract once again with the books. So Elijah Bryant is back on what seems very likely to be a training camp deal. Honestly, I don't think it changes a whole lot of the content or conversation around him as it seems like he's probably going to be on Exhibit 10 and maybe spend some time with the Herd this season. But we will get to that, I guess, in a, in a future episode and talk about it some more. But hope you enjoy everything else. And we'll be back to you in a few days. Oscar Robertson, Leroy Sindor, what a year it has been. The Bucks are the world champions. Moncrief going inside. Ray Allen driving past Armstrong. The jam over McGrady. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton! Birthday, Jason Kidd, places up the Behind the back, Giannis, and then a good ball, oh, and Holy moly! Dudley, up top, open, it's got a clean catch, and it's Play basketball and win. And win? Yeah. How many games? Six. We're gonna, be, we're gonna win in six. Hello, welcome to episode 348 of the Winning Six podcast. Proudly a part of Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always is my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Hello, hello, how how are you? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing well too. <laughs> uh, we're we're gonna do we hadn't planned for it. I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. We're continuing on with our, our fans of the champ. So we have some more episodes lined up. People seem to be enjoying that. But we, we had one that just didn't quite come together. And we were left at this window where we were both sitting here looking at each other with microphones at the ready. We thought, hey, we should probably, probably do a podcast about, you know, the current Milwaukee books and the the league they're they're in and the season that's about to start. You know, I know, Jordan, you're continuing to dispute this. I, I I don't know what you're talking about. One could say you're doing your bad. own research on the NBA. Yeah, I'm doing season. my own research on this NBA season. Well, I don't know. I'm going to try and force a conclusion on you. I'm going to try and force a conclusion that the season's happening. 
please respect my privacy during this time. Uh, so yeah, we are we are flying even more with the seat of our pants than usual here. We are going to talk through some of the recent books news, and we're going to talk about some of the big news going on around the Eastern Conference that it feels like, you know, maybe it's all resolved and it's not an issue. Um, by November, December, maybe it rumbles on for months and months, and it's part of the storyline that we're going to deal with and discuss all throughout the year. So we got all kinds of good stuff. And I hope there's a mailbag. We've put up the bat signal. Let's see who can answer in time. And here we go, Jordan. Podcasting. <laughs> Where do you want to start? What element? We've got players who have signed for the books, players who have been cut by the books. We've got news of Giannis's knee. We've got news of Dante, which isn't really much news, which is kind of how Dante news seems to come. Always. Um, we've got vaccine stuff quite a bit of it around the NBA. It's definitely the the hot button issue. Jordan, where do you want us to start? Should we do our, the housekeeping? What is our, what's the housekeeping? Roster moves, roster moves. Okay. I thought you meant like our like podcast housekeeping. I was like, I didn't realize we had a news. <laughs> um, okay, roster moves. There's probably some players who have Sign for the books that I'm just not going to remember off the top of my head and honestly they're going to be on the herd and that's probably when I'll know who they are rather than into their training camp deals I mean the headlines are two NBA champions who are no longer members of the Milwaukee Bucks uh, Mamadi Diakite who has already landed on his feet and taken Stephen Adams old number I don't know how I feel about that as a big Stephen Adams fan mm. um, the new number 12 for the Oklahoma City Thunder and Elijah Bryant, I don't believe Elijah Bryant has landed on his feet yet. Maybe your contacts, maybe you've got into a word world that can you know give us more on that. Any news on Elijah Bryant's next destination, Jordan? I don't see anything as of yet. Okay, nothing, nothing yet on the Elijah Bryant war. Both of those guys are gone. Let's start there. I'm not remotely surprised. I think. This is the correct decision in both cases, although maybe for slightly different reasons. Um, let's start at Diakite, which there was a great outpouring of love and affection for Mamadi Diakite when the news was announced that the books were waving him. I typed up the tweet multiple times. And I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to, I'll just let this pass. I'll let it pass. I'll let people, let people send the tweets. I don't want to rain on anyone's moment. Honestly, I don't think he's not even just very good. I don't think he's good. I don't think he's an NBA player. I certainly don't think he's useful to a team at the level the books are. Maybe he goes to the Thunder and on a team with whatever the Thunder's goals are, he can prove me wrong on that. But this was a no-brainer. I don't see minutes for him. I think you would try all sorts of players out of position, different kind of lineup configurations before it came to giving Mamadi Diakite meaningful minutes. And I just think it's it's kind of a tough thing where he's he needs to just be a little bit bigger. He's a he is a true tweener and maybe pushing that to its kind of extremes. And I don't know if his style of play even meshes to being on the undersized kind of the undersized divide of um of the positions where he could play. So I have never really got it. The more I've seen of him, honestly, the less impressed I've been in terms of 
an NBA style prospect and certainly someone who could play with the books. And for as much as some people are like, why do it now? Why not? There was no future here. Honestly, I, I just don't see the reason to have waited. I not quite sure why it got to this point really. Um, but it made it made perfect sense to me. I don't know what your thoughts are on, on the Akita bidding farewell. I mean, at a certain point, like all these names are interchangeable if you really come down to it. Whether it's Diakite, Bryant, um Dragon Bender of years past, like these kind of I mean Christian Wood was essentially that, even though you know how successful he was in the G League and look where he is now with the Rockets. Like I think a lot of it comes down to what he what we saw of him with the Lakeland Magic on assignment in the G League bubble last year. But after, you know, I've watched the G League. I'm not saying I'm a G League expert by any means, but you obviously want to see these players do well. But it's also a matter of, like, I think I've, Sam Vecini of The Athletic, how he's talked about the G League, is that, like, it's more of a skill development thing than anything else. And a lot of those players that pop in the G League, whether it's, you know, these scorers that, you know, the Xavier Mumfords of the world. Um, Frank Masons. You know, Frank Masons, yes. Like, that kind of... The ball is in their hands co- constantly. It's a fast-paced game, even more fast-paced than uh, the NBA game. Um, bigs naturally thrive just because of size, all that stuff. But, like, all the stuff that you want to see from those players or, you know, whether it's their role or just, like, the skill development and all that stuff, like, if that pops, that's good in terms of an individual setting. But in terms of translating that onto an NBA floor and – you know, um, in a role with a team like the Bucks, where if we're, you know, we've talked about this numerous times, the rookie development pipeline under Bud has not really flushed out anybody that is on the Bucks currently. This is not, I mean, outside of Dante, who's gotten run and who has been, you know, semi-successful. Maybe, maybe Pat? I, that's true. Pat's definitely like a tweeter case, but he also had, he did play some before coming to Milwaukee. Sure. I think it's done more to develop guys who were already had a foot in the league. I think it's it's made guys better rather than creating brand new players. Yeah, exactly. And I just think we're, we're not talking about like, if, if you really think about it, like a lot of those guys, it's not like, it's not every time you see a Hassan Whiteside just come from the G League and then go in the NBA and is a productive NBA player. I Everybody has misgivings about Hassan Whiteside, but still a successful NBA player. He got paid a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, obviously bounced around a lot of uh, before that because of reasons that weren't necessarily about his skills. It's more about his engagement with the game. Sure. Um, but it's it the, the types of guys that kind of, making the NBA from, you know, coming from the G League, whether it's, you know, coming out of college or whatever the case may be, it's not really those guys that, you know, are Frank, a Frank Mason, an MVP or anything like that. That I think I wrote back when I was writing regularly. <laughs> I um, I looked after Frank Mason won MVP, and you look at those guys that, you know, won MVP, it's not like it's a smashing success when they go to the NBA. It's It's pretty sorted. There, there's also the guys who make the transition and become actual like long-term NBA players. Yeah, 
they generally don't stick around long enough to win MVP is is part of that exactly. too. You have like, like you have like the Alex Caruso's that kind of it's players that buy into a role in the G League and NBA teams recognize even, that. Even if you don't think heard though, it's like on some of the call ups. Take someone like um Rajon Tucker, where it's like teams are seeing something in him that oh, okay, well this can be an NBA player. So he's getting snapped up early as opposed to some of the others. I, I'm pretty sure that was the Munford team where Munford was the best player on that team. Maybe it's the year after. Um, no, that was uh, Frank Mason. Was it the Frank Mason team? Okay. Yeah. I, I honestly, the herd is like all blurred now between it's been so long since yeah. they've played. Um, but I mean, again, it's, it's kind of a good example of sometimes if a player pops in the G league in a way that's like, interesting translatable nba skills they get the call pretty quickly and it feels like two ways are generally being used now for players that and we'll, we may get to this with i guess the other two way that the books have confirmed since we lost it any kind of episode like this too but it, it feels more like these are players who are designed to be like mainstays like kind of beating heartbeat get people into arenas for for g league teams and that may be kind of one of the best kind of auditions they can have to try and get another chance to show they're more than that or to secure what would be much more lucrative paydays in europe or in asia as their career progresses but i i do think there's a real a real difference and i just think like diakita is the guy uh, back to when we used to regularly talk heard and you covered her longer than, than i did really um there's a real issue in the g league with true like centers with size so you can go and you can do as as the akita did in the the g league bubble kind of thing you don't have to be the size you'd need to be to play center in the nba to go and thrive there and i would not be surprised that say if he did end up um, down there quite a bit whether he sticks with the thunder or whether that doesn't quite work out and he ends up just in the g league i would not be surprised if he finds himself playing at that level if he puts up real numbers and maybe attracts some attention again but i i just do think there's there is a significant gulf for a player with his physical makeup and i think where his game is at that is just a barrier to the next step because the truth of it is like Diakide's body is kind of perfect to be a power forward like if you could shoot he's uh, he could be a stretch forward in the NBA no problem but he just isn't all that convincing as a shooter his post moves are very underwhelming so for an undersized guy and that's how he tries to play inside he, he tries to play like a much bigger and stronger player than he is is always my feel on it he doesn't have the kind of touch that you would like to see him have at his size, which if he had it, we wouldn't even be talking about him as a five. He'd probably just be a four. Well, that's the other thing too, is that like, it, it doesn't do him any favors that he is just kind of, uh, you know, a slider build. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also like, he's a fluid mover, but he's just not a very explosive or quick twitch kind of uh mover in that sense too so it kind of limits you with what you want to do with him positionally and going by the you know the old adage you are what you guard kind of thing you know if he could keep up with fours yeah he would be a power forward ideally like you said like 
I think that would that would functionally be his role, but he just isn't that kind of player. Like he, I think that's the one thing that kind of stood out to me, even in the the bubble or his you know brief showings playing with the Bucks during the regular season, um, and definitely in summer league, is that he just kind of there's some parts that are there and some parts that aren't there in terms of defensive role and just kind of whether it's being a rim protector or kind of being able to guard out in space um, and pick your roles or whatever the case might be. Like, it's just not, it's not there. And when you think about it too, like, I, I think we kind of, everybody has this idea of like development where it's like the younger you are, the, you know, the possibilities are more endless compared to where you are older. And it doesn't, everything, development isn't, you know, necessarily well, linear. Yeah. It's not linear. Um, but there's, plenty of Bucks players we can turn to over the years that we can kind of just point to and just say that. But in terms of Diakite's case where he's what, 25, I believe. Yeah. You're, I don't even think you need to Google it. I'm pretty sure you're right. He's 24. He's going to be 25 in January. Um, It's just not, I mean, again, this is a team that expectations have been high for the Bucks all throughout the last three, now four years. Uh, they're higher than whatever they have been. <laughs> Talk about defending their title. They, he, if anything, if Mamadi Diakite was playing for the Bucks this year, if that was, you know, a portal into how this season was going, um, outside of just these rest games, I don't, it would not have been for good reasons. It wouldn't, it's not even good within the rest games, though, is honestly, yeah. because I really, I don't know to what is the end goal there like what are there would be better players you could get right now to play those minutes yeah. there are players on the roster and i think this is a key thing too like maybe we don't think of it in quite the same way because mamadi was already on the roster with a real contract although with the lack of guarantees in it it was not very real at all like sandman's come in and drank his milkshake here that's essentially what's happened it's like if we're talking about a guy who it's like, what is his position? Is he a four? Is he a five? Some of the issues that may be there at either spot, there's real similarities um, with Mamu there. And the difference is Diakita is much older and he's not quite as varied or interesting or just wild, Jordan, as uh, Sandra Mamakulashvili is. So, that's, I guess, part of the the reasoning for the books too, which is, I, I think they need a big, I still, I think they need a big, maybe they've got the big, we'll talk about that in a moment, but I do think they needed someone else, they needed someone else, so Bobby could play some four at times, so you're not having to play Giannis at the five a whole bunch in the regular season, like they are Brooke being out for a month away from having to do some things that I don't think you want to do in a year where you're just going to kind of carefully manage your way to the playoffs because now you know what you can do. Um, so I, I still would like to see someone who can mop up some backup center minutes on the roster. And Diakita is not that guy. And he is more, he was vying for those kind of, yeah, whether it's garbage time or whether it's just rest night or whatever, the kind of minutes that I think they're going to give to, to Sandman. So... It made sense. I, I wouldn't have seen the benefit as, as sort of like, why are they doing it now? Why not let him go through camp? If you if you know you're not going to be using this guy next season, move him on, get someone else in. 
whether that's to get someone else in that you're going to have their rights so that you can get them for the herd, whatever it might be, just make better use of what you've got, make better use of your assets. We call them to do this in all variety of ways. And this is one of them. It's like, if if you know it's not going to work, you don't really have a spot for them, you don't want them around next season, do it now and move on with it. And I, I think that was the right call. Elijah Bryant. Um, Elijah Bryant is maybe a little bit more complicated. Do you think his uh, his Twitter usage, the memes he was posting, do you think that's a factor in him getting cut? Um, I mean, who's to say? Uh, if it was, I mean, that's can... that's such a. I I kind of think it was. Like, I think it's it's certainly. Let me rephrase it. It's not helping your case. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're the fourteenth or fifteenth guy, exactly on a non guaranteed deal who can be you know cut bait with at any time. Because I, I think we, we did get to see some flashes with it, and I know it's something you and I talked about going back to when he was when he was with the books in Summer League, whatever that was, three years ago now, um, four years ago, whatever it was. He can play. Like, he can play. He's got some game. He's a little bit more experienced. He's got real experience playing in genuinely kind of competitive, high-quality leagues in Europe. And... He's someone that, in theory, I think he could be a part of a roster. I think with the moves the books made, and I think the the Grayson Allen acquisition only kind of further kind of put that they they didn't need him there as a 14-15 guy at that kind of position. So that, to me, made sense that he was really in danger and was likely to be cut. And I think, and particularly in the current climate, um, posting some of his weird... McDonald's vaccine comparison memes on Twitter that does not does not serve you very well and honestly maybe even worse it's not going to serve him very well now um now that he's he's being cut by the books I think he's the kind of guy who may have got some interest from elsewhere but I, I wonder how that will play out I just think that was uh very poorly judged and misguided on his part aside from all of the rest of it aside from the actual kind of the logic behind it and when you're in that position um when your your job security is as kind of tenuous as his was big big mistake i think if the books were having to think on that for even a second that would certainly have sealed the deal and being like yeah you know let's just move on don't really see where the minutes are going to be, and we don't need any of that kind of attention being drawn. I think that is the reality of it. Um, Justin Robinson came in on the second two-way deal. This, to me, it does feel very, this is a herd guy, this is going to be a star for the herd. I don't know, is there anything you've seen, read, any feeling you have that there is room for more than this, but... I do think just with the way the book's depth now is in the backcourt, um, along with maybe some of his own deficiencies, he's going to be starring for the Herd uh, more than anything else this season. Yeah. I, I think, like, I, we, the Bucks, how they viewed point guard, you know, they have Drew, they have George Hill. Um, 
pretty strong right there <laughs> from there. Um, and we've seen whether it's Giannis, Chris Middleton, um, point Sandy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, there's just not the opportunity there. It's, you know, purely two way guy that can, you know, maybe something down the line. Who knows? But from what I've seen of him, I think he's a, a fine G League player. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting. He has, I, I kind of like him as like a passer, kind of just that, you know, what you'd expect out of a point guard that's going to have a lot of the ball in his hands, all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see much. I mean, I'm going to try to watch as many her games as I can this year, but I, I don't see much of it as like, you know, what we've seen from Frank Mason or um, Jalen Adams before that, or, you know, in past years. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I honestly, we may see even less of them than we've seen some other two way guys in the past. Um, just because even like behind the likes of Drew and George Hill, it's the books have Dante. You've got Grayson Allen. I just think they've got actually from a position that has been a spot of weakness in the depth chart for quite some while. They've got quite a lot of options, and then they've got plenty of options where guys can slide down a spot. Rodney Hood. Rodney, Rodney I... Hood too, but I mean, that's, even though I, I don't really view him too much as a guard anymore, he can certainly no. play there, and but considering the books, the books won a championship with playing big, you know, with bigger players sliding down a spot, so they may well do a lot of that, um, and there's certainly potential with the players they have in their roster to do a lot of that, so I, I just think it's going to be really, really tough for him to get any minutes. But you never know, I mean, knowing that he looks like someone who will have a chance to go and be kind of an anchor and a star for the herd. And who knows? Go there, play well enough, and who knows? And who knows what injuries could crop up or what may happen along the way. Um, But there's kind of the guaranteed opportunity is there for him. It's going to be go and show how good you are with the herd. And then if the need arises, you'll be in position. You know, I think that's kind of the way I view his, his signing. And who knows? I mean, we haven't even mentioned Trayvon Waters um, here too. He's a guy that signed a non-guaranteed deal. Uh, I believe at the time when Shams reported it, it was you know, made with in mind of him competing for a roster spot. I think a lot of people instantly thought two way. In comes Josh or Justin, Justin Robinson, and that kind of squashed that part. But there's still roster you know options that they're looking at, uh, along with uh, alongside Tremont Waters, but. Again, it's you know their their top two point guards are pretty much set at this point. It's you know knock on wood that injury doesn't set in at any point or any other disruptions. Um, sure. If you if you catch my drift, like um, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think again, you know, they have never really. I mean, <laughs> Jeff T got a freaking A on the group project last year. Let's, <laughs> they haven't really like valued traditional point guards in that sense they've always looked at it as Giannis is gonna have the ball some Drew's gonna have the ball some Chris is gonna have the ball some um we got through last year's season pretty okay with that with all three of those guys I mean more continuity within their core could only we got through reason. it like it was by the seat of the pants you know it was a little bit but a lot we can't pretend 
Now, uh, we can't rewrite the history of the fact that a lot of the time through the playoffs, Jeff Teague, for example, was a talking point. Um, and it would have been nice for the books to have just, you know, I'm not saying an option that they would have used, but an option nonetheless. Um, so they've done a better job of addressing that in the backcourt for this evening. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. J-O-B, Johnny O'Brien is back. I'm really happy about this. And I, I, we, very briefly before we started, I threw something out there and I, I think we disagree. I, I kind of think he's going to make the roster. And I, I think he's kind of what's missing on the roster. I mean, again, I, I think kind of point to what I said before when we are talking with Diakite, I think these guys are interchangeable. I don't um, think Johnny O'Brien is interchangeable with Diakite. Because I, I actually I think, I think the interesting thing about that is I think the version of Johnny O'Brien that left the books was not too far off from Diakite. I, I would still say he was better, but... If anything, I think he's more... He was a, a, portis, a poor man's portis. Well, I just think one of one of the biggest things with him that has happened with him in Europe, but even with the Hornets, the start of it, his body has filled out in a pretty significant way. He's a lot stronger than he was when he was with the Bucks. I think he's very well kind of set up to be, he's not a traditional five, but he'll be able to hold his own physically against some bigger fives, play in that way, set some screens, catch some lobs, and just kind of, 
yeah, I guess stay out of the way. He's poor man's poorest. I the thing I disagree with that is, I don't think he's gonna gun for it quite like quite like Bobby does. Like I, I still don't think that's in his. Game. I'm a more. I'm a more of like that's how positionally size wise. Well, that's even. I'm not saying we're going back a long time, and this is when the Bucks weren't even the Bucks. Um, or what we knew of the Bucks and how everybody character this, you know what I mean? It's they that were kind definitely of, the Bucks, sure. Yeah, the stretchy four, kind of stretchy four or five guy that, you know, a role that certainly works well with Bud. Um, so say Urso? Possibly, yeah. Poor man's Urso. <laughs> yeah, so. Why don't we like watch like one preseason game and JMB's taking charges all over the place? Um, but yeah, I, I it's what I think it's more role rather than mentality of like a gunner from you know a front a center gunner or I don't know what you'd call it. I don't I don't know either. I honestly I have no idea where that was going. I mean I I think the thing with JOB former Eurostep guest for for those mm-hmm. who haven't listened i'd recommend go and check that out because he talked a bit about his time with the books he also talked about some of the changes in his game since that and it, all it takes is you know fire up youtube and watch some more recent stuff of him playing or just go to like i don't know his real gm page and look through his his numbers in his years out of the nba his game has changed he's become a better three-point shooter and he, he's become a more kind of i think well-rounded both physically and skill wise player that I I do think could just be a really nice like this is the spot that to me this is it's not the fifteenth spot on the roster where I'd say the Bucks need like a solid backup center. But it's probably gonna feel like that for a lot of the year. Like that's a position that if everyone stays healthy, if they had someone in to fill that kind of role on the roster, you may not play a whole lot. But there's always the possibility that someone does get injured. And I I think he would be a very, very nice fit. Like, the the thing with this that I'm going to try to avoid doing is get excited about anyone. I don't think it's going to happen for anyone other than J.O.B., really. Um, but the reality is, based on a lot of decisions this offseason, they'll probably just go into the season with 14 players and an open roster spot and, you know, take the tax savings. Because that's what we're doing here. We already know that's what we're doing here. Um, what I would like to see them do, though, is give Johnny O'Brien give Johnny O'Brien that spot and have it that it's it's not fully guaranteed for the rest of the season. That you can have an out point where if you're not playing him very much or if you're not happy with it, well, you can cut him and either get someone from the G League or a veteran who emerges in the buy it out market or if you're making trades or whatever it might be closer to the deadline the traditional point <laughs> very young i mean that's a... very good player i i've no I... and i think a very good books fit i want i want someone with more size why is so difficult i want a i want a big guy. but i don't i i understand why people it's certainly right now the opening day roster or training camp roster whatever you wanted to say there is a they haven't filled the PJ Tucker role, or I, mean, I understand they they have semi and all that stuff. The question is, do they think they filled it or not? I don't know. They may think so. They may think so, but I also think knowing how horses operate with the roster, I think 
that answer could evolve um, and will evolve. I, I don't think like every year there, there's always, they, they pursue buyout guys. They pursue trades. Um, it's going to be even tougher to do that now because they're, you know, they don't have a lot of draft picks. So they don't have a lot of guys that can, they can really move for, you know, a guy like Thad Young, I think he's making like $13 million. So you're hoping and wishing that he's going to get bought out. But, um, you know, that's just one example. I, I do think there's quite obvious trade potential this year, though, with Dante and Grace Allen both being free agents next summer. What are the odds that both of those guys finish the season? Like, one's gonna one's gonna emerge and grab that with both hands. I hope. I have a bet on who it is. Oh, so would I, and I think anyone listening probably knows who our bet is. Grayson yeah. Allen. I mean, who's good, who's ready right now to play? Grayson Allen. And also, who arguably on his play last year looked more ready anyway. Looked looked like more of a long-term kind of NBA player. Uh, I say that, that's wrong, because I think both guys are NBA players, and both will stick and have careers as role players throughout the years, it's just a matter of, is there a little bit more there? That's like kind of what the books are looking for and hoping for, and certainly have been hoping for with Dante. Whether it actually kind of plays out that way remains to be seen. But I, I do think, let's say, for example, if Dante isn't ready to go at the start of the season, which is possible, we'll get to that. Um, I think Grace Allen gets that spot, and if he starts really well... Like, are you telling me by the time January, February comes around, they're not being like, well, we're not going to be extending Dante or resigning him as a free agent. So does anyone want to give us something, anything, literally just anything that we could trade again, which is the likely logic of it. I mean, with, with assets being as thin on the ground as they are for the books, it, it does feel like it could easily get to that point with Dante. But I don't know. I I guess I guess we wait and see on that. Um, I'm just I'm not at all, not at all convinced that both of those guys would manage to make it through the season. Any any other training camp invitees that to you are interesting? could factor into this in some way? Is there a chance that someone makes this roster out of training camp that isn't Johnny O'Brien? No. Um, I believe right, they signed... <laughs> yeah. Javin Delorier. Delauer? Delorier? I, I have to... The first one sounded like he was going back to the future, Jordan. So let's go with the second one. Um, They signed him. Gonna be a hair guy. Bounce the athletes. <clears throat> kind of more of a traditional uh, five from what I've seen. Uh, five minute highlight clip on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> uh, another Duke connection. There's been a lot of Dukies um, this offseason between Grace and Allen, semi Ojale, even though it was one year. DeLaurier was uh, uh, Blue Devil. Um, yeah. At this point, I mean, um, what are we at? We're at 18 guys, including the two ways. I'll take your so, word for it. <laughs> that's the thing. Is like, it keeps changing. Like, when they cut Diakite and Brown, I was like, okay, where are we at? And I was seeing 18, but there's only one. 
or one of them was not on the roster at all, which I believe was Waters. Um, they have they have played this game in recent years too, right? Yeah. Right, right up close to the deadline for the start of the season, where they'll cut a guy like two Jamario, days before. Jamario Jones, like when people get and he signs and then he gets cut again, like yeah. to, you know you're doing some get of the, that just to get the the G League rights. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll we'll see how that continues to evolve. It is kind of it's wild that it's this close. Like the training camp is now started. That we're here. That it's all. It's all going again. I'm not looking for any further comment on it, Jordan. It's happening. That's that's the facts of it. Um, should I should I take this seg and move into? I guess what's the natural point for us to go with this? Or you know, what? let's do it. Vaccination in the NBA, Jordan. Um, media days have been interesting. They have been noisy. Players, some players around the league have been saying some stuff. What? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you missed it. If you did, that's unfortunate because I'm not going to recap a lot of it. A lot of it, I, I just never want to talk about. Um, but I guess the best way of putting it is at this point, it feels like most reports that are coming in the last few days with the NBA are all vaccine related. Um, it, it is even when we're recording right now. There's some there's, things like. Came up. I'm, I'm sure like it's it's literally just seems to see how it is um so this is going to be a storyline that is going to dominate the early part of the season and with some players and some teams it could continue to rumble and it is most notably something that in the eastern conference is going to be a talking point right now um i guess you should start with the milwaukee books what we do know is the vast majority this was a quote from Mark Lazary of the and roster. Horse, right? Horse, too. Vast majority of the team are vaccinated. I did tweet about this. I have no idea what that means. Like, it's so vague. It's useless. Honestly, I'm pretty disappointed because there has been a, a level of transparency from owners and GMs elsewhere in the NBA. We know how the books like to keep everything in-house and bat things away. In this particular case, I don't think it's particularly useful. I don't think that does anything. Hippa. Let's not go down that route there. We'll, we call Kyle Kuzma. Um, but yeah, there's um, I for that, for the genuine, for the the genuine reasons of people's privacy. Um, and why there may be a desire. I'm not looking for people to be named. That is frankly not of anyone's concern um as as we have found out some players around the league who are not uh, have not been vaccinated and maybe will not get vaccinated have no problem being very vocal about it which is not ideal in my opinion but i I would like some some more kind of specific guidance i mean you've got 17 guys on a roster at the moment you've actually got more so what's what's the vast majority to me it could be over 75 80 percent that's still leaving all would it be a vast majority is what like 10 <laughs> or 11 like you know what I mean? <laughs> are, are we bringing that number sure. to 20 if you there's 17 mean? on the roster the majority is nine is the vast majority 11 you know where do you where, do, where does vast how does that equal to the number of yeah 
we know Giannis is vaccinated. Um, he came out and spoke publicly about it. I mean, I, I have seen posts and heard bits of piece here and there. Bobby Portis has been advocating uh, for the vaccine on social media throughout the summer. So there, there are multiple books that I know are vaccinated. There's some that I don't know their status. It really could just be one player. It could be two players. But I, I did not appreciate that statement. It's not useful. It's also not doing anything to promote the message that I think the the organization should be, which is you know use your position and lean on a little bit, lean on a little bit, and make sure that people know where you stand. Um. So that would be my thought on that. What the books don't currently have anyway is a situation like the one that is playing out in Brooklyn and Kyrie Irving, my longtime favorite, big Kyrie Irving fan over here. Is that enough? Did the sarcasm drip through that enough so that no one can mistake that? Um, yeah, he's, he's not, he wasn't allowed in the building for media day as things stand with the, the mandates in place in New York. He's not going to be playing Brooklyn Nets home games. It seems like he has some other ideas about that. So whether there's like a religious exemption that is in the works, I, I do not know. Um, we've already seen with Andrew Wiggins, one case of that not playing out where players have tried for it. So there is a possibility that the Brooklyn Nets, the team that Jordan, I don't know if you've been listening to any national NBA coverage. I think they won the championship last year. The way people are talking about them, I think they they could only be the NBA champions to have the kind of conversation that's been going around them. So I assume they're the champions. Uh, they are, they're going to be without one of their key players. And honestly, who could have guessed that this team of those guys could be without a key player? Never happened before. Will never happen again. But on this occasion, it seems like it, it could factor into things. So we are playing here with what we do know. And perhaps in the book situation, there's, players who have decided to make the same choice and who knows what comes down the road, whether any kind of mandates follow in other states, how anything plays out that could make this an issue. But as things stand, this is really bad for the Nets. This is really bad and it's a problem. And to me, even more than just the obvious of, you know, oh, he may not be able to play regular season games if he sticks to this and the mandate holds throughout much of the season or beyond, it also feels like something that, no matter what anyone will say, it's it's a very literal divide within a group. We know the NBA have put so many rules in place, the difference between what a vaccinated player is allowed to do when they're on the road or in the arena, in the locker room on game days versus an unvaccinated player. That's That's one part of it. But it also, to me, I think the nastier second kind of... I was going to use wave, which is maybe not the terminology to use in this. But the second kind of round of this discourse is going to happen when the season starts. And when, let's say, if things aren't going the way of a team, if it's like the Warriors and they're down a couple of guys and Andrew Wiggins can't play home games, it just feels like something that's going to build resentment within locker rooms too. I don't know, do you agree with that or where you feel that? But to me, it just seems very obviously that this is a major, major issue for, for teams who are dealing with it, particularly teams in those states where the mandate is going to make it a, a really pressing issue kind of from game one of the regular season. Um, 
I, I think it's something that is going to spiral out in some of those situations to be a bigger issue than it is just on the front of, oh, this player isn't vaccinated, they can't play in these games. I don't know. I, I Who could have saw this coming with um, Kyrie Irving and creating a distraction? Um, not me. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, this is a real possibility if this continues on and lingers on. I know he's said it on that interview, or interview, uh, his media day that was held over Zoom because he's currently in leagues. That's the other thing, too, is that, you know, because... Are they having, like... Is is there going to be a computer in the corner in, like, film sessions that Kyrie's going to be on? Like, just uh, on the actual practicalities of all of that, I know they're currently in San Diego. Um, Although, is Kyrie in San Diego? Yeah. So that's not a statewide... I believe it's county. Right. I think that's the problem. Um, Okay. But just the practicalities of it, it just, it seems kind of untenable. Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, like, is our, you know, league's health and safety protocols, are they, are, is this going to be, like, the new rest day? Is that how the Nets are going to be doing this now? Because it was just like, oh, he, I believe it was Shans tweeted the day of media day that he's in league, he's in the league's health and safety protocols. And I was like, okay, is this, is this actually being used for what it's actually supposed to be used for? Is well, in the past, it was being used for COVID or close COVID. Oh, yeah, obviously. But now is it... Yeah, and there have been other players around the NBA, too, in recent days that have that same designation been given. And my first thing was, oh, if they got COVID now, I was like, or... Which, that also gets incredibly messy. And I, I would think it's a transparency issue for the NBA in terms of, say, betting, which is something where they've really got strict on their player availability classification you know that's also just with you know oh no we're not gonna say who's the guy i don't know how that's gonna work i don't jordan you blogged about this team i'm sure you've got uh tweets from people who are let's say interested invested in like daily fantasy nba and spend a lot of money i get this it's like hey guy i know nothing like i'm I'm just a person who talks with the team. I'm not there. Everybody really. can see the uh, the NBA injury report. The and and if games. I didn't know, I, w- I wouldn't be telling you. Just if anyone's listening and thinking yeah. in future to reach out. It's like, I do not care about your bets or your daily fantasy. I do not care. That mm-hmm. is your business. Um, But this is a real problem for that. Because even if that appears and we're starting to season, it's like, okay, is that guy out for a week? Is he out for two weeks? Or can he not play in any home game this season? Or can he not play in road games in New York or in California? Like, it's such a mess. I understand, because I was listening to Bobani Jones. He talked about this on his podcast, The Right Time. And this comes on the heels of this Rolling Stones story that, what a surprise, Kyrie Irving's, you know, at the center of this, um, you know, Really, it's it's a shame that he has a, such a powerful voice in the NBA Players Association, doesn't he? Can I? I've I've probably told this story before. I know you definitely yeah. know this, but I just want to give this as an example because I think this is genuinely Kyrie and everything. It's it's a monster of NBA social media, NBA media's own creation because they thought it was a fun little thing. So I have once in my life been 
credentialed in person at an NBA game where I can go and talk to players. That was a game between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. At the time, Kyrie Irving was a member of the Boston Celtics. Four days, maybe, before this, Kyrie Irving had come out with his now infamous flat earth comments. He had since then, I was in London at the time, so he had since had to, you know, actually fly around or, you know, across, as he was viewing it possibly at the time, the globe for this game. And I I remember it. I remember how it was laid out. It's probably one of the NBA's international games. The media setup is going to be very different to, to what you would get at a general game in the NBA because you've got both teams coming into just some gym in the middle of a city. Exactly. They're going to practice one after the other. The PR teams are going to kind of swap over. You get a little bit of crossover potentially. And then it's like, depending how the PR teams run it, it's like, okay, well, this person's going to be here. This person's going to be there. So people are just kind of, you're tearing up. up. Go on. But I'm guessing it's kind of like how like a playoff game or like a finals game would be run, but it's a regular season and it's obviously internationally. Yeah, it's it's something along those lines. But basically, you're queuing up blind. So it's like, I'm in this spot. This is a spot where some player is going to come to. Is it the player I want? I don't know. I had a specific focus on an article I was writing. So I did want certain guys. So I kind of had my heads up for when I'd be moving, whatever. So turns out, <laughs> turns out one of the queues I was in was the Kyrie Irving queue. And I was like, kind of at the front of it. And when the Celtics PR person was like, okay, we're going to have Kyrie here in a minute. When I say like all of the media from everywhere else, all the other little cues, they just swarmed over into this one. It's just no exaggeration. And what did I do, Jordan? I got up and I left and I went to talk to Daniel Tice because I just, I did not care. I was like, I have no interest. It was obvious at that time because one, the game was overseas, but two, he just said it. Everyone was having so much fun with this idea of, you know, playing into the Kyrie flat earth thing. And that is really, unless there's something before that I'm forgetting, that is the kind of the jumping off point of this version of Kyrie's persona. And that just always sticks in my head because it's you can literally see like all the oxygen in the room being sucked over to make this fire all the much greater. And I feel like we just progressed and we progressed and progressed. And we're now at this point which it kind of feels like maybe it's not at the end point. It'd be nice to think it is, but it's just, it's a natural conclusion. It's like, this has been fueled by people being like, oh, this guy, you know, you know, yeah, sure. He says some stuff, but he's really smart and he thinks differently. And, you know, he's a, he's an interesting personality. And this is what makes the league, the league is you've got different people. It's like, no, the guy has been spewing misinformation and bullshit for years. People have fed into it. They've let him get away with it. It's like, yeah, you know, smart guy. Really smart guy. Going back to his college days, we know he's smart. It's, it's It has been fueled by something. And now we're at a point where, yeah, you, you read something like that Rolling Stone article, which when I read it, and you got these quotes from people, family members of his, and people in a circle, and you're just like, holy shit. Like, this is this is bad. And that's not to even get to, I, I don't... I'm vaccinated. You're vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. There's no secret. I don't think it's going to put you on surprise our listeners that we are pro-vaccine. We believe in the science of it. And hey, guess what? I'm here. I'm fine. I'm healthy. Um, I I also understand the numbers of you know to to take the the Bradley Beal side of this. It's like oh, people still get it. 
you know, having me back said they do, but they don't die or get end up hospitalized at anywhere, anywhere near the same rate. So it seems like something that it's good for all of us to do, good for everyone else to do. But I I think there's there's a difference between listening to and understanding people who are hesitant or skeptical for whatever reason. And particularly, particularly in the US and for black communities, for Native American communities, there's there's no doubting just how loaded and how complex a lot of this is. And I wouldn't dismiss that or step past that for a second. But I, I do think the coverage of this is not being great. And at a point where we've already had years of indulging Kyrie and stuff that, you know, it, it wasn't dangerous to begin with. The flat earth thing wasn't going to hurt anyone. But it was it was a red flag as to some other paths that could ultimately be gone down. I, I think it's it's a really, really bad spot. And I mean, that's we're focusing on Kyrie um, because we're really focusing on the Nets. That's the team and he's the player that in this discussion, as of right now, it seems like it's going to be most relevant to the books and what their season goes like. But there are plenty of others and there are others, whether it's on religious grounds or whether it's those who are claiming it's on religious grounds, whatever it may be like their reasons are their reasons. It's just a giant mess. And I don't know how this plays out. This is much worse than the NBA had a year ago in terms of a situation. I don't know if they realize that. Um, I do think this is, they probably got there, but like for the MBPA, even this is a terrible spot to be in. And they can put out, and the fact of it is, over 90% of the players are yes. fully vaccinated. Or, I do actually think it's fully vaccinated. It's fully vaccinated, yeah. Um, and there are others who have had at least one dose. But if this is going to pave the way for that 10% to be particularly vocal, that is that is an issue. And also, the the kickback that's going to come from owners on this, when... And the kickback that's going to come from players when they're not being paid. And I mean, like, well, this was in my contract originally. Like, this is a kind of worms that we probably won't spend too much longer on because there are there are going to be boring legalities of this that are going to be borne out. This this really feels like something that could end up like in in court cases. But this oh, is yeah. going this is going to get so so messy for the NBA that I I think they're winging it a little. I'm just hoping. Hey, wouldn't it be great if we could just keep the pressure on, keep talking about it, and that's by exactly, opening night, everyone gets there? But, but it is the, they're just winging it. That's definitely the tact that they have taken with this. The, what What are the odds that the this story comes out the Saturday before media day? A star player like Kyrie Irving is at the center of this. I mean, it wasn't a shock that he's at the center of this, but it's, he's at the center of this, you know, growing controversy because it it reflects into this whole quote-unquote, debate that we're seeing across this country. And then you have other, you know, voices like Andrew Wiggins or Bradley Beal or whatever the case may be that have followed suit. So it's very much like we're... And you're seeing all these things. We're having, you know, as we're recording this, Shams, uh, the league spokesman, is talking about how uh, players that cannot play games won't be paid for their games. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yes. It does, but, but is, is but that very much like on these grounds? It's, exactly. It, that's, that's the thing. Like it's, is not. It, it's very. They're very. It's. It's either. They're letting the players like do what they want, and then or not do what they want, but hold there. There cannot be a mandate. It 
between the league and the players association. That much is clear because there was no, there would be no players union that would agree to that. So what is the NBA doing right now? They're showing every incentive. They're make they're keeping the same things that they have for last season where the vaccine was a thing at the start of last season and see all these players that have to go through these rigorous daily things, daily testing, all that stuff. And compare that to the you know vast majority of players, vast majority, vast majority of players that are vaccinated. And Jordan, don't don't say the vast majority. How many is it? I don't know. I In don't this know. case, we know the vast majority is nine out of ten. Yeah, but we're. I, I just think that's there's it's there is a reason why all this came out over the last what is it ninety six hours, and we're seeing the league not so um, subtly just being like hmm. You should really get it because look at what you're, what you're going to have to go through. And it's like, even that, I don't know, like. I, I, did, the... I don't think they're proactive enough because this is. Exactly. They're not. They're not. Like the NFL was more proactive in just forcing, forcing. Yes. And I, I feel like the narrative came up that it was being framed in a completely different way. And I, and I was like, you know what? This is the smartest possible way to do it. It's like, yes. if you want to win, you're going to get vaccinated because otherwise you're going to let down your team. Yeah. And there, there is actually a reality a to it with to the that. way things there are being laid out, for sure. Um, those who aren't are going to put their team in tough spots. They're going to put their team at disadvantage at times, but they're also they're not going to be financially compensated um, at the rate that they signed up to be, that their contract says they should be. But it's, it is just, it is a mess. But at some look, point, you can't put the, what is it, the genie back in the bottle or whatever, what is the f- phrase? Oh, that is the phrase, and the genie is definitely out. The yeah, Robin is... Williams. Robin Williams is everywhere right now. <laughs> the genie is out of the bottle. Um, just, just I guess to circle it back to the Nets. I mean, this to me, if I was a Nets fan, if we were a Nets podcast, I would be really concerned. Um. Because it just it's it seems like the kind of thing that it, you know, maybe it's just a, it's one loose loose tread right now. You know, it's one loose tread in the nets. It's not a problem. But if this thing gets pulled on long enough, it is the kind of thing that could lead to the whole thing unraveling. Because even already you have KD giving comments which are they are undoubtedly supportive. Like they're undoubtedly supportive, but they are in the way. It's like you know we have full trust in Kyrie and we we expect to have him ready and available with us it's like and then what happens if he's not <laughs> it's you know what happens if he's not and if kd or harden have minor knocks and injuries and they're like oh we're gonna That's play the other too. thing is this is over something you can't control yes. you can't control injuries happen without anybody's control the nets are i guess the prime example of that last year even though they won the title um per, to some and there, there's also there's you can't control and the other element too is sure to get vaccinated you are yourself going to get vaccinated you are someone is putting the vaccine into your body but the truth of the vaccine is no different really to the true to science behind wearing masks right it's doing this little by little kind of brick by brick should reduce the spread it should reduce the severity of this and yeah you may be 26 year old prime health athlete 
where it's not going to be a problem. Although I'd push back on that because there've been plenty of plenty of examples and incidents that would make you say, well, <laughs> it could be a problem. You know, you're still you're taking your chance with that. But even in that case, this is a decision that yeah, you're making. And you're like, it's you know, it's my body. I'll do what I want with it. But there is also, and you've heard, for example. LeBron's comments. I don't want to dive too deep into them. Well, I, 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 I have some issues with them, but it also boils down to LeBron James got vaccinated. He was definitely skeptical, hesitant, but he got vaccinated in the way he phrases it and the way I think most people have. The way Giannis put it is it's the idea of feeling it's the right thing for me, my friends, my family. And I, I think that is that is kind of a logical conclusion. And in this case, then you've got to put it to your teammates and it's also, it's those games where it's like, if it's a road game or whatever, it's like, if if everyone in the, back, everyone in the locker room is vaccinated and you've got one guy over there and he's sitting there and it's like, it, it just creates a divide. And this is not even getting into the fact that there are mandates for the people who are not part of a union. There are mandates for referees. Referees will be mandated. Referees will be fully Staffers, vaccinated. Coaches. Staffers. So within that, like, you are going to have this feeling. I Like, just as numbers wise there is no possibility that there weren't staffers who may have felt the same way that Kyrie Irving feels but their position was well do I want my job realistically they don't have the security that he has and they may have had to go and do it now no matter what anyone thinks on that what is the dynamic of that at play within an organization where someone is in that and someone else isn't I just it is super super messy which to circle back to the books and we'll move on now it comes down to you know, when we get vast majority, <laughs> I would like to have some idea of what we're talking about. One, just, you know, what it could mean on a night to night, even though the the books as of now aren't going to have the issues that the Nets will have in terms of every home game. It's what will it mean if, you know, that person gets COVID or, you know, just the, the various, the various knock-on effects of it. But to conclude, um, the NBA is in an absolute mess, an absolute mess. And I, I think they need something approaching a miracle to have a resolution in sight before the season begins. Cause I mean, I'm not going to have it fully solved. Um, you might get some players who've had their first dose, um, but it's a, it is a tough, tough spot. And also the thing is with 90% is a high number. 90% is a really high number the 10% have been pretty content up till now to stick with their decision in spite of the stringent rules that were coming in place as to how they would be personally kind of isolated and disadvantaged. That's, that's not suggesting that that last 10% is going to move very easily. That's all I'll say on that. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're already embrace embracing for the fact that you may miss half of the season, if you're an Andrew Wiggins or Kyrie Irving, um, to, you know, despite what something being worked out as Kyrie says, I think you're going to be fine with the other stuff. And guess what? It's not like these, it, it seems to me that the people that follow all this stuff don't necessarily follow how you should be doing it, whether you're unvaccinated or not, whether it's wearing masks. I mean, that story in Rolling Stone shows Kyrie going to a reservation and, not it's they're photoshopping masks after the fact and it, it it's painting this illusion that he's following the rules and all that stuff 
And it's not. He just doesn't. Um, and it, it, that's where it gets even more dicier with someone of Kyrie Irving's profile and power within the players' union. The power, the power of his voice. And again, it yes. goes back to that and voice naturally... is being allowed to be magnified when it said things that were just completely not based in fact or science or reality around us. I was like, this is a cutesy thing. And now we've reached a point where it's not a cutesy thing. It's an incredibly dangerous thing. And what's happening? <laughs> it's like, what can you do at this point? Um, we've literally watched him go down this road year over year over year. Um, one Instagram video at a time, it feels like. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's all on that for now. But I do honestly uh, apologize to anyone who does not particularly want to listen to that in which your basketball. It's gonna happen though. This is this is a big part of what this season we're is. We're not be out like. of. We're not. No, and I, we're actually we're into the messiest part of um, NBA and COVID, like post bubble. This is the messiest part. Is okay. They're trying to live with it part and trying to find ways to make it work. Jordan, we put the we put the bat signal out. We asked for some mailbag questions. The people answered. We've got some mailbag questions. You ready to do the mailbag? Let's do it. The first question from at sign underscore Justin. Do you think either of Grayson or Dante will get extended before the season? No. No, absolutely not. I I would be stunned. Stunned. Um, The books are gone beyond the point of giving out extensions for players who aren't absolutely essential core. And with that, I really mean three guys. Um, I think everyone else, no matter what they show from now on, I mean, also factoring into this is the fact that we're not going to have to worry about a whole lot of first-round picks, but I think it's the waiting the waiting game for the books. And, hey, if it gets to free agency, well, we'll be able to offer this, so we'll deal with it at that point. But, no, I do not think either will be extended. Much more likely that Dante gets traded before the season than either of them. Obviously, Grayson's not going to be traded before the season. Um, but I would think it's more likely that Dante would get traded for a season than Grayson Allen extended. More likely. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think at this point it's not. But yeah. I definitely think it's I more likely. I just don't know what his trade value is. Well, <laughs> you know high. what wouldn't help with that? The book's not really saying anything of substance ever about his condition. That's not great for trade value. So yeah. if they do ultimately at some point this season trade Dante because Grayson Allen kicks on, looks great, and they're like, he's the guy we want. Whatever the return is, they'll likely have themselves to blame for it not being what it could have been because they just... They haven't given anyone anything to go by to be like, okay, this is the problem and here's when he'll be back and we can judge him based on that. So it's not our favorite thing about the books, to say the least, is um, the ultra tight lips on things where they really should give a little bit more. From an nihilist underscore books, which of these is the funniest domino leading to the books championship? I'm going to have to read out, Jordan. We've got three memes. We've got dominoes piled up, right? So all of these end up with the Bucks winning an NBA championship. So domino number one, Bobby Portis breaking Nikola Mertic's face. Domino number two, Russell Westbrook calling Kawhi about teaming up. Domino number three, 
the Sixers hiring Sam Hinkie and starting the process. It's it's Bobby Portis and Nikola Mirotic for me. <laughs> Probably, uh, yeah. I would say so. It's come on. Nikola Mirotic, uh, our feelings on Nikola Mirotic are. Well, I won't say where. Our error. I'll say my feelings are well documented at this point, and um, Bobby Portis now is the hero. Next question from at Jordan Tresky. Who won the NBA title last season? We answered this earlier in the pod, right? It was the Brooklyn Nets. Yes. That seems to be what everyone's saying, you know? By the way, people are analyzing the season ahead, talking about the teams that are going to be in the mix. I can only assume the Brooklyn Nets won the championship. Now, it was the Milwaukee Bucks. We've got a we've got a series. It's called Fans of the Champs. It's here on this very feed. If you haven't been listening, go check them out. There's more to come. Speaking of which. Our most recent guest, I think, of the episodes that are out there, um, at Nihilus underscore Books. Did the Books know they were cutting Elijah before sending him to Greece? My, my read on this is that the Books probably were not involved in that at all. That was probably a Yanis thing. He um, certainly felt like it. And maybe not. And obviously, that's something that even happened last year. But that was, was that last year? No, it was the year before, pre-COVID. But when Bledsoe was out there with Giannis Tanasis and Brooke. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think that was a book's thing. From at S underscore McAnderson, how do you define Giannis playing the five? In my opinion, the idea that Giannis and Portis uh, equals Giannis at the five is a complete misunderstanding of what Giannis at the five means. I define Giannis at the five as Giannis plus two wings and two guards. Chris, Pat, Dante, Drew, for example. Giannis and no other big. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with that. I think the thing with Bobby is he can shoot well enough that you could give him a role. That, it's more interchangeable. In his Giannis at the five minutes, you're telling him, look, you are spacing now. That is your job. You're, you just purely focus on spacing. But I do think, and it's kind of it's backed up by what we have seen and when the books have gone to it, Chris, Pat, Dante, Drew, that is a strong example of the kind of lineups the books go to with Giannis at the five. I mean, ultimately, I am I am not a fan of it as a general ongoing conversation. I want it to be the thing that when it gets really serious and you're in a big series, that's when we see it. And I'd very happily not see it at all outside of that. Like, that is that is my feeling about Giannis at the five. Um like I don't don't know how much I want to see before May, but that would be my my take on Giannis at the five. Couple of games here or there against the right opposition, maybe, but I certainly don't want it to be something that they end up having to do quite a lot of because I don't think it's a good idea for Giannis, and I also don't think it's I don't think it it serves the books that well to do it too much and to give teams too many looks at it. I yeah, think it, that... it's it's something that's definitely. Like it's a weapon teams know is coming, but they're not getting a whole lot of reps against it where it still has kind of a secret weapon quality to it. Yeah. How people talk about the depth lineup vastly that here's there's that word again. Um what is it? How people talked about it that lineup and how people talked about, you know, going small and all that stuff. It doesn't equate to or people talk about more than the actual minutes. <laughs> those lineups play on the floor. Um, 
and I know that last year was a big criticism that we didn't see it that much during the regular season, but when it mattered most, they went to it. Um, even in times whether people agreed they should or not. Uh, but that's where, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's you are as adaptable and flexible with your lineups and tactically and all that stuff. Like, you, it's just you want to see if it's part of their arsenal. And at this point, the Bucks have proven that it is. From at MKE Robert, the Bucks used last season to, to install an updated offense and experiment with different defensive schemes. What do you think the approach will be this regular season? I think primarily this regular season is going to be about the guys that they've added this off season and trying to find out who's real and how they're best utilized and what then equates to the best version of the books this year. I, I think it's going to be much more about personnel than it was a year ago. Yep. Um, I do think we may see some stuff offensively where they try to do a little bit. I think... I I know there were new offensive wrinkles added last year, but I do think a lot of their regular season experimentation was still more focused on mixing up the defense, and that was certainly the thing we were all concerned about, where it gets to it, and then the books aren't just fully relying on their drop defense, um, which still was came up big for them at crucial times, but they also switched, also threw out some zone occasionally. Um, I would like to see the Bucks' offense just round out to a similar point. It's just not as varied. It's not quite as polished as they are defensively. So I think if they're going to focus kind of on new wrinkles, maybe maybe see what you can add to your offense. But I think top priority is going to be just figuring out which of your guys are real, which of them are going to be the best fits for your key players and are going to be the kind of guys that you can and will rely on when the postseason rolls around. Mm-hmm. From at MK Robert again, what's funnier, the Ben Simmons saga or that Embiid and Drummond are teammates? Uh, for me, this is 100% without doubt the Ben Simmons saga. Yes. I just, do we want to, I mean, we've talked to Kyrie on this episode. We might as well talk Ben Simmons. I feel like I'm, yeah, These things are going to be more interesting than the, the Bucks season, if we're being honest. <laughs> or at least the trading camp portion. I, I, I just, the Sixers just are probably not relevant to the Bucks at this point. With how this is fold, unfolding, it's like they probably could have traded them ahead of time, like a year ago, quietly, when it was obvious that it was probably the way to go. And got a really good player and probably got better with trading him. Now they are not going to get any kind of player back that I think is going to change the game for them. And in the meantime, talking of distractions and distractions that could rumble on for a long time, this is this is bad. There's a lot that's been said that can't be unsaid, even if it hasn't been specifically said by the people involved. You know, it's been said by the representation, you know, um, Again, talk about I don't even think the comments that came out on media day for them help matters. No, they, means. well, the Sixers are not helping themselves. No, they they Doc have Rivers never has themselves. has been terrible throughout this. Um, I don't think Joel Embiid has always said the right things. Um, but whoever um, in Simmons' camp is deciding to leak this and that, not helping things either. Nope. So. 
and I, I also I find it hilarious because I just think whether it's someone much closer, as in whether it's like a family member who's advising, I there's parts of it as much as I am not a fan of um, clutch and how they represent players, and I don't I honestly don't think that they are the place you'd go or just be like, oh this this is the place to go where you're definitely going to have the best done by you. Because I don't think that's true. I think if, anything, if, been if it's more... in their interest, you will have the best done by you better than anyone else. Yep. If it's not in their interest, you could end up absolutely screwed over. And I, I think that's a kind Montrose of... A Harrell. Sure. And um, Noel. Noel. He's literally suing He's the suing agency. Them. I mean, I don't know after Ben Simmons turning down layups in the playoffs, what that did inside Clutch in terms of their own view of where he was in the pecking order of their clients or as kind of a future of the agency. But I, I just think the whole thing is bad because someone, someone on his side advising him thinks he's much better than he is, or maybe, you know, that might be unfair. Maybe he is better than it currently looks, but they think he's better. And they seem to feel like the perception of him is better than it actually is right now. Cause perception is at rock bottom. So you're creating a market where, there is not a market. <laughs> there aren't a whole bunch of teams that are racing out being like, Ben Simmons is available, let's do it. And the teams who are then, they're like, oh, well, look, this market's at rock bottom, so we're going to offer the Sixers nothing. It's actually the worst possible way to get a trade. You know, if you wanted them traded, there would be a better way of doing this mutually in a less noisy way where Ben Simmons goes to media day and he plays the game and they're just working behind the scenes on a deal instead of tanking the value of the deals, the offers the Sixers are going to get to the point where they're never going to accept the trade. But if I'm Ben Simmons, I mean, and if you view this as an untenable, unfixable situation, as he apparently does, I don't think he cares. I mean, he, he's shown to not care about a lot of things. But it, where is he going to end up? Like, if he ends up on the Thunder, does he care? I would have thought he'd have cared about that. Like, it's it's wild to me. I, I mean, th- this is where like he's under Ben's... contract for years. So wherever yeah, oh, he's, yeah. wherever he's gonna get traded, if they do pull the trigger on a trade soon, like if it's Minnesota, if it's Oklahoma City, like it, it doesn't matter where it is, he's gonna be there for years. Like so, based on how he's behaved throughout this, based on lots of stuff from day one in the league and from before that. He seems like a guy who very much would care about the market he ends up in, and he has no leverage, no power over that. And he's honestly pushing it to a point where he could end up somewhere that is going to be, he won't be close to winning, much further away. Maybe a team is set up to play his way. Maybe it's a long play where they're just like, let's just get you your team. And, you know, three years from now, then be the people will. I mean, just let me be really simple about this. Giannis, Giannis is good, right? Ben Simmons is bad. <laughs> no, I just think it's, what... it's the most I could justify actually diving into this. He just, he's not point out to me the time where Giannis was afraid of taking layups in the playoffs. It doesn't exist. The guy will step up and airball free throws anywhere, anytime, any place to the point that then those two three pointers, then a closeout game comes along in the finals and he just makes free throw after free throw. Like, the thing of, oh, let Ben Simmons play a Giannis-type role. It, the problem with that is you have to let him. You have to you have to bring him to the role and be like, hey, Ben, why don't you do this? 
because if he was really like Giannis at a certain point, his game reaches a level and it becomes clear that's what he has to be. You know, that's that's part of why um, the oh, Jason Kidd put the ball in Giannis's hands. He did. That's true. But it was also just apparent at that point that, hey, we need to get the ball in Giannis's hands. You know, this guy is developed and his skills are developing to a point where that's what needs to happen. That's where it's like it falls flat to me in terms of the Simmons specifically and how people think he should be utilized and all this stuff. I know Ty wrote about it on our Substack a couple of weeks ago. And it's like anybody could see like how his role is and how do you best utilize Ben Simmons. And then it's ultimately come, the question for me is, yeah, that's great. What does Ben Simmons think he is? I saw a tweet, I don't know if you saw, from our, our friend Georgie the Greek, uh, Sixers fan. Uh, one, he wrote a great Giannis article for us behind the book pass many years ago as a guest post. Um, but just kind of the this idea, the report that came out about, you know, Simmons doesn't want oh, to, yeah. doesn't want to play, uh, doesn't feel Embiid is best suited to him. And it's like, what Simmons good at? Passing. What's Embiid good at? Catching passes and dunking. It's like, how does that not work? It's like, how does it not work? The That would, in theory, have more to it if Ben Simmons was someone who you believed could actually go and wanted to drive through traffic and finish. We're literally, our abiding memory of him right now is him refusing to take open layup in the paint. It's like... During a game just, seven. Uh, just worry like, about your past. These fantastical you know, scenarios that people think of, like, what are you going to do in a game seven and all that stuff? He shows that in game seven, and it's, you know... It goes horribly for Philadelphia, him, and it's going to irrevocably change his future and the franchise's future. From at James Ontario 12, can we get big time Ty to get his creds for books in six? Um, the I think some backstory to this because uh, James Ontario 12 was tweeting with it, about this with me a couple of days ago. Um, the books tweeted out a thing with Brandon Jennings, a clip from around the time of the finals, I guess. Um, t- describing it as the history of books in six. And it was interesting, to say the least. It's wrong. The history is wrong. Brandon Jennings did not say books in six. He never said it at the time. He said it years later. We are, we are speaking to you right now in your ears from the Win in Six podcast. You may have heard Brandon Jennings say that they're going to win. He was asked in how many games he said six. We're going to win in six. That is the saying. Um, I think this matters because it's not just me being pedantic. I think books in six is something that books fans at that time took. They adapted what it was. They took the spirit of it to be its own thing, to mean something else. And they made it into a years-long rallying call a far outlast of Brandon Jennings that survived through different iterations of the books where their goals are very different to the point that we reach the promised land of sorts where they're actually chanting books in six while the books are winning an NBA championship in six. The time that Brandon Jennings did say books in six, and honestly, if anyone wants to watch that clip of the books, but I think this is kind of Brandon Jennings' memory of it now. That's fine. It's not his job to remember what he said when he's an NBA player. He's speaking like, man. to media all of the time for many years. Um, but when Brandon Jennings was assigned assigned to the Wisconsin Hurt, he wasn't even assigned. He was there, right? He was, he was signed. Yeah, he was signed um, to, which was now four years ago, something like that. 
Three? Three, three and a half. Ty Windish, our friend, Eurostep Podcast Network personality, Ty Windish, big time Ty Windish, um, was reporting on the herd as he has done plenty of times. I can specifically remembering, I can specifically remember to use actual words, asking Ty, hey, can you try and get a Brandon Jennings win in six soundbite for the pod? You know, if you're going to be talking to him, could you try? It could be really useful for us. Uh, which isn't quite what happened, but Ty actually got something much better, which is he got a full quote where Brandon Jennings talked about it. He broke out the, you know, for the culture and it became a new wave of a sensation. I think the thing that's most interesting about books in six is you watch Brandon Jennings talk about it. You watch that clip the books about a week ago. He has very little to say about it because it's just the thing he said. There wasn't a whole lot of thought. It's just like, yeah, we're the underdogs. And what else was I going to say? You know, it's, like, there's not a lot there, but there is so much more that books fans have invested in that saying, have kind of added to that, that books and six has real meaning. So personally, I think the, the history of books and six um, at books, you know, books, social media, books, people, if any of you are listening, is just as much about the fan base. And I, I think the fans are a massive part of telling the story of that and what it means and why it became a rallying call for the team in the city. So we, at the time, we gave Big Time Ty big time credit for his follow-up interview and getting the It's for the Culture quote. But for anyone who doesn't know, um, Books and Six, It's for the Culture, Ty Windish is the man you have to thank for that. Um, let's see, we're about to wrap up. So I'm only going to get a couple more questions in here. Uh, let's go with James Ontario 12 again. What would be considered more beneficial? Sitting Dante and Giannis till they're no question healthy or letting Giannis control his will? He did come back from season-ending injury and play through it in the playoffs without telling anyone. My feeling on this is that Giannis's will is going to be a little different um, to start the season than it would be then. I mean, the one thing is, I, I'm going to guess he'll probably want to be in uniform for a ring night. I mean, that's the one thing with that. Um... But, like, this question could crop up with multiple players throughout the year. The answer is always going to be, let them be healthy. <laughs> um, the books don't have to worry about any of the other stuff now. Let them get healthy. I, I do think, ideally, the books finish with a top two seed, and they potentially, if it is the Brooklyn Nets, who are the other top two seed, they avoid them until the conference finals this year. But you know what you can do. You know you'll be able to see off the other teams in the East if it comes down to it. Like, you've got to back yourself in that. So health is going to be the the priority over the course of the season. You know, one more. One more I'll fit in, Jordan. At Kevin Murphy underscore, would a books championship in the bubble be more or less discredited in this year's title when everyone was quote-unquote hurt? I'm honestly, I've been a little bit amazed by this at some of the very prominent people who just have written off this book's title and are pretending it didn't happen. It's, it is, it is wild, wild to me. I think people have just, um, I listened to an episode of the low Post the other day where it, just a lot of it was about what, how, you know, how the books looked up to game five in the net series, like specifically as a, as a pinpoint that moment. And it's like, how their offense looked and everything. I was like, yeah, that's great. Let's talk about what happened after game five in the net series. Mm-hmm. Um, when they won six games straight to be crowned NBA champions. No, I'm forgetting there was another series in between. Um, but the series in between still 
lot of adversity overcome without Giannis. I think the answer to this question is the bubble would still be discredited more, but I am surprised at just how much people have discredited this one. So I guess that means gotta go and do it again, Jordan. They're starting the season back. The NBA is continuing. Gotta go win it again. Yep. All right. That is all from us for now. To make sure you catch all of our episodes in future, you can subscribe to us in the Eurostep Podcast Network feed. That's available wherever you get your podcasts. You should also sign up for our Substack, gspn.substack.com. It's where you'll get all of the pods. Plus, you'll get bonus tidbits and articles and random thoughts that Jordan, Ty, Rohan, and I have. Basically, um, at any time across the, the course of the season. We will be back in a couple of days with another episode of Fans of the Champs. Until the next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.